0: I always wear my mask and wash my hands after going home. It's a good tuna, but I think I paid too much. I am the king of the ring.
1: Welcome to the Japan What Podcast, episode 128.
0: Twenty-eight.
1: And I am your host, Matthew P.M. Bigelow.com. <laughs> and that's where you can go to get the show notes, photos, links, and more. This is, of course, the podcast from the... Cho Studios in Shinjuku, Tokyo, Japan, the armpit of Asia, covering AI trends, conflict in the Indo-Pacific, news analysis, odd items, and more, and I am your host, Matthew, PMBigalow.com. We are busy, busy today, as usual. We're not people that that, you know, ease into things, although sometimes we are, but generally not. Let's begin right now with Japan. Have you been to Japan? Do you know Japan? Japan Japan business leaders return to China seeking to bolster cooperation. Today we're going to be focusing on business, technology, um, the supply chain war, and how uh, the depopulation is kind of Figuring into uh, some of the the news analysis these days, um, we we take things w- with a grain of salt or not, depending on what they are. I don't like just saying depopulation means there's going to be less people and more land for me. It's gonna it's like a vegetarian at a meat buffet. Hey, a vegetarian's coming to a meat buffet. More meat for me. That's not how I view depopulation. It scares the living crap out of me, especially in, in an advanced Japan uh, country like Japan, where we have like the nuclear power plants, the corporations, da, 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 and we're going to see a lot of automation with AI. Naturally, with the white collar class, uh, or the you know the the midwits of our society, the, all those mid level managers that just get in your way and just tell you no, and then you have to explain. Have in a meeting while well, you need to hyphenate a word for 35 minutes, but that's just all part of the plan where people can just clock their hours. I think those people are on their way out sooner rather than later, I hope. But um, the, yeah, the the idea of de- the depopulation is like, who's going to be, how do you innovate new stuff if, de- if your population's going down and you don't have enough people around to make the new stuff? I, it, 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 are you just going go to go into China? Are we all supposed to be like, Help us, China. You know, all these things terrify me. The nuclear power plants, you know, is, is it going to be Homer Simpson, the Japanese version of Takeshi Shimshon in, in the nuclear power plant, uh, dealing with all that, all this stuff. So uh, we're, we're going to be going into that today. But man, we are busy. So let's just let's just begin with the idea of, hey, China is so bad, right? Oh, they're ba ba ba. Oh, what are they doing? Oh, they're telling us to get out, and they're telling blah 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 blah. But then it's like, well, now that it's time for business, we love China. That's kind of like the the rule of the world right now. China, you, ooh, but here is our money. You know, that's that's what we do with China. Uh, let's begin. This is coming to us from uh, JapanToday.com today.com uh, via Thomson Reuters from. January, uh, the end of January here. A delegation of about 200 Japanese business leaders and CEOs returned to China uh, in their first visit since 2019 as they sought to bolster economic relations in the face of geopolitical headwinds that have strained bilateral ties. Japanese economic delegations had visited China every year since 1975, but those visits lapsed during the COVID-19 era. I thought it was a pandemic (laughs) era. When China largely shuttered its borders due to its stringent pandemic policies. Well, so did Japan. So did the rest of the world. I hated that time. I hated it so much. We're living with the after effects like you do not even know right now. Or maybe you do know. On Thursday, delegates from the powerful Keidanren, the Japan Business Federation, uh, and Japan-China Economic Association met Premier of China, Ling Kuan, or Chiang or King, at the Great Hall of the People. Um, I don't mean to disrespect uh, Premier Li. I just don't know how to say the Q-I-A-N-G. I Uh, I know that I used to teach a lot of Chinese people and I asked them about the the English phonetic versions of their names because in in Japan we have the katakana or the hiragana where you can ascribe specific sounds to words by putting them underneath, but they don't have that in China, so they use the alphanumeric, you know, system, or just the alphabet, I'll call it. But they have their own ways of saying each thing. So it's like Q-I-A-N could, I'm not, I don't know. So I don't mean disrespect. I'm just not sure how you do things over there. Quote, Premier Li Japan, uh, China-Japan relations are currently in a critical period of inheriting the past and ushering in the future, said Wang Wenbin, a Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson. Uh, It is hoped that the Japanese economic community will actively exert an influence on win-win cooperation between China and Japan. Now, as we all know, when you're dealing with China, win-win means China wins and China wins. Ties between Japan and China have become strained after the world's second and third largest economies clash over issues from Japan's release of treated radioactive water into the ocean to detention of Japanese citizens on suspicion of espionage. But Japan's curbs on exports of advanced chip-making equipment to China have also fanned Chinese accusations that Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida's government was following in the United States' footsteps in containing China's economic development. Also true, uh, in many ways, you know, uh, politically, geopolitically, Japan exists as, like, this way to prevent China from expanding into the Pacific Ocean, something America doesn't really want. America really doesn't want a central European power to coalesce either, which is why they keep bombing like the Nord Stream pipelines allegedly, and why they also um, uh, fund so many uh, kind of regional proxy wars in those areas in Ukraine, Afghanistan, all all those places, you know, you don't want the Russians, the Chinese and the, you know, Indians and the, in, in those areas to create some sort of system that works for them. It has to be under the United States system. Otherwise, the United States might get attacked, so everybody else has to kind of suck a big D. During a rare meeting between Kishida and Chinese President Xi Jinping in November, both men agreed their countries ought to pursue mutually beneficial relations. China was both Japan's top export market at $145 billion and its single biggest source for imports at $189 billion in 2022. But the number of Japanese firms planned to expand in China fell below 30% for the first time according to an annual survey published late last year, with some firms citing concerns about economic uncertainty and others highlighting geopolitical risks. Uh, Japanese automakers from Toyota and Nissan are also battling a market sharefall in China as they lag behind local rivals and EV offerings in the world's biggest auto market. <clears throat> That's a very common Chinese practice. Hey, everybody, come do business over here. Uh, we're going to take all your stuff and do it ourselves now. Now, good luck, but we're doing it and we're subsidizing it. So it's ours now. And you can technically be here and do it. And it's going to be funny because you can't really fund it because you're in China. So, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. I'm wondering uh, what the Kedan Ren's policy is here. The Kedan Ren is like, actively pursuing doing a whole bunch of business in China, like the world's largest polluter. But when you look at the Kadon Ren's Society 5.0 policy, uh, they're now putting posters up of SDGs with Society 5.0. So it's it's very hypocritical to do both at the same time. It's very hypocritical to be like, we want uh, no pollution and equity in the world. And that's why we have Japan Society 5.0 from the Kadon Ren. Now we're going to go to China where they have internment camps, no standards for environmental cleanliness and everything else. And we want to do business there so that we can have our utopian future over in Japan because there no way do we share our maritime zones and no way uh, uh, is what they do over there in China to the air going to affect what happens in Japan because Society 5.0 with SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals, means that we will have, you know, everything will be fine over here. So that's why we need to fund the Chinese Communist Party over there. It just makes sense, you know. I'm sure they wrestle with these ideas as well. They're not stupid people, uh, but I, you know, I wonder, I wonder what they're up to, and if, you know, are they playing both sides? Eh, could be, but. Does that make them disingenuous? Is how do you seriously take people like that that do that? You know? How would you do that? How would you feel if someone was like, hey, I don't believe in racism. And that's why I donate to anti-racist causes. And then like you knock on their door and you go down to their basement and they have like an internment camp, just like a bunch of people of color down there strapped into chains and they're whipping them. They're like, what? I don't whip them when I'm above ground. I donate to the charities above ground, and they're they're looking at you as if that makes sense. Yeah, you came down here, but you didn't have to. And they're still whipping them. <laughs> Is that what's going on? Is that how the world works? All right, uh, Japan's exports surged 10 percent in December on strong demand for autos, revived trade with China. No, so it's mutually beneficial. Win win, everybody. Win win. We're going to begin the podcast on that kind of note. Uh, Usually I begin with odd items and stuff like that. I just couldn't really find any right now. We're at the tail end of January and the beginning of February. And it's like sometimes, you know, this is the quiet time of year. But when it's quiet, it's almost too quiet. And that's why we have to go into Japan Society 5.0.
2: The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society... Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0 A technology-based, human-centered society. The Fourth Industrial Revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. It will, for example, Free us from the stress of driving, allowing us to safely visit anyone, anytime. We will have access to the latest medical advancements at a local...
1: All right, explaining every week because new we, people are tuning in every week. Um, Japan Society 5.0 was created in 2016-17, depending on you know how you look at it, as a kind of an overall umbrella term for creating a digital human-based society where it's like everything's wireless and... Drone deliveries happen and, and we're like driving our self-driving cars to get our medicines and da 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 da, da. None None of that's really happening. Um, instead, what it's turned into is um, regulatory rigmarole and um, and just kind of a sequestering of funds that that lead nowhere just into like uh, you know, people in, in important positions going into conferences and spending lots of money to talk about their big ideas. Uh, But uh, in the underbelly or on on the flip side of that, there's a lot of startups that are beginning to emerge in Japan or just uh, young people who kind of envisage how this technology can work and are doing it themselves away from away from the bureaucratic measures, because it's all the time. Like these bureaucrats will be like, we need more young people with fresh ideas, but then like young people with fresh ideas go into them. And maybe if they're lucky, they're, project of their dream gets absorbed into some plan and you appear as like a footnote on somebody's, some bureaucrats PowerPoint presentation on page 35. And that's supposed to be your contribution into the society. Like you just kind of absorbed into the blob off you go. Um, But on the flip side of that, there's also uh, more emerging technologies into the military fields in these regards. And that's true for today. The Mainichi is reporting for, you know, it's Japan's national daily since 1922. Japan and the U.S. agree on AI research for drones to assist new fighter jet. This is on uh, January 28th, 2024, just a couple of days ago. Japan and the United States have recently agreed to begin joint research on AI in the hope of using the technology for drones that would work in tandem with the Asian nation's next fighter jet. Um, I've looked into this before as well. Uh, there's drone swarms, and these would be like the little quadricopters where instead of a missile payload, a fighter jet would just drop 150 little drones, and um, they would act as a drone swarm to confuse the enemy or be equipped with minor explosives and kind of sort of like a smart cluster bomb, be able to go in and just target... Uh, you know, things on a, on a base somewhere that would be of importance to whatever mission it is. It could be the armaments, it could be the comms or or a mixture of the both, uh, of the two. Um, but the, all, you could also have the, the big drones, like those uh, raptors or, or, or whatever those, the drones from like the Middle East wars of, of the United States, those big ones that fly in the sky, uh, those could also be turned into jets and you would have like the pilot of a, of a, F-whatever, F-35, it doesn't matter what it is, but an advanced fighter jet would be piloting the jet. And the co-pilot would also be kind of like a drone captain where you could have jet drones on either sides of this jet and it would require two people to operate five or three or four, however many um, sophisticated jet drones. And you could have... You one one go ahead for comms and mapping and things like that. Uh, one leg behind for you know targeted bombing, and then the middle ones would w- you know would take care of the rest. I'm sure that's not exactly the plan, but these these are some of the ideas that have been brewing for some times. Helicopters too, by the way. Uh, you know, one helicopter pilot uh, w- would have uh, you know in, in control of like a like a bunch of firepower. Um, what are those called? Uh, ships, right? And then there would be a bunch of like little smaller helicopter drones around them that would have all these other capabilities and the co-pilot, the helicopter co-pilot would be kind of in control of them. So the drone technology is creating these new positions in the cockpit. Japan plans to co-develop a next generation fighter aircraft with Britain and Italy by 20, 20, 30, 2035. That's going to be a boondoggle, I assure you. Depending on what's going down between Japan, between Britain and between Italy by 2035, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to have the supply chains intact by then to deliver these types of weaponry. I could be wrong, but okay, I'll be wrong and I'll be that'll be better, but th- these are um uh wishes of people existing in previous uh time frames. Well, the United States, Japan's key security ally, is not part of the fighter jet project. It has sought to bolster defense cooperation in Tokyo, including with AI and drones. The objective of the joint AI study is to revolutionize airborne combat by merging state-of-the-art artificial intelligence and machine learning with advanced unmanned air vehicles, said the U.S. Air Force in a press release issued last month upon the signing of the agreement. Quote, the AI developed in this joint research is expected to be applied to the UAVs, the unmanned unmanned aerial vehicles operated alongside Japan's next fighter aircraft the drones can all be used to collect data and so on the three way fighter jet development deal was reached in december 22 with the united states announcing its support of japan's defense cooperation with nato members as the asian nation faces a severe security environment uh, tokyo had initially sought, sought to collaborate with us defense firms in developing new fighters but decided to look for other partners due to strict us rules on information confidentiality Um, anyway, I, you know, makes sense to me. I, I would like to be a co-pilot and all of a sudden you you became, you become not only a co-pilot, but a, a drone weapon, um, captain. And you, you don't need to, you know, wait for chain of command orders or it's all, you know, digitalized and you just, when you bomb and you surveil and you get it and it comes back to you, you land and then You know, you get like a dashboard report. Good job, soldier. You nailed the enemy. Then your drones also send like a a happy face to you. Like it's not really their emotions, but you're like, maybe it is, you know? Anyways. What is the smart city vision that Hitachi Limited is aiming for um, co-creation with Hitachi City? Now, the smart city solutions have been going on for quite some time. If you look at what's going on in China, you want nothing to do with them. It's like brutal what's going on over there. I watched this video of a Chinese driver that has to authorize their car to access the Chinese Internet of Cars. And you have to... First of all, scan a code that appears on your infotainment screen in your car with your phone. Then you have to input a whole bunch of data from your phone. And then they send that to the government. And then the government sends something to your car. They need to input a bunch of data into your car. And then it sends it back to the government, which then sends it to your back to your phone, and you need to go through this whole confirmation process. And then you need to enter codes both on your phone and then into your car. And then if it all works out, boop! Congratulations, you are now connected to the internet in your car. That's the level of control that's going on in the Chinese smart cities, and it's like. What, what get a map or something? Do you get a coupon? I don't even know the benefit, but it's just like this um, effort to remove like the the fast paced interoperability that we naturally have between like the content in our phone and what we want to do with the world, and it wedges every step of the way with with government official uh, procedures and facial recognition and thumbprint and biometrics and tracking and now you have to keep your phone in your car because if you leave your car now you don't have your authentication process in place like they will be like why are you leaving your car with your phone when your phone is supposed to be in your car when you're connected to the internet in your car like they'll send you you'll lose credit points then you have to go give blood to get your credit points back this is what's going on and it's uh it's at that level um in china but I'm not, I don't think that's going to necessarily happen in Japan, but we should be vigilant. But we'll see what the Hitachi people have in mind for our future, shall we? Now, keep in mind, I just gave very concrete examples of what's going on in China. Will the Hitachi people be able to provide concrete examples to us? Through co-creation with Hitachi City, we would like to take on the challenge of becoming a model for smart cities across the country. This is from Toshiaki Tokunaga, Representative Executive Officer and Vice President of Hitachi Limited. Hitachi City in Ibaraki Prefecture and Hitachi Limited, the company, recently concluded a comprehensive collaboration agreement for his next generation future city planning utilizing digital technology. And Hitachi Mayor Haruki Ogawa and Hitachi's minister uh, Mr. Tokunaga held a joint press conference. The opening statement was made by Mr. Tokunaga, who expressed his determination when explaining the contents of the agreement and the initiatives being taken. Um, when explaining the details of the, the agreement, Mr. Tokunaga spoke from Hitachi's perspective, saying, "This co-creation project with Hitachi City will not only revitalize Hitachi City, but will also be a sustainable model that become a model for cities, um, smart cities nationwide." I believe that this is both a challenge to urban development and a great opportunity, he said. Um, why take on the challenge creating a sustainable town? He asked the following question or answered. The re- I'm using Google Translate from japan.zdnet.com. Quote, "The reason is that many regions around the world are currently facing this issue. In modern society, issues are rapidly becoming more diverse and complex, such as dealing with a declining birth rate and aging population, decarbonization, and digitalization." Very, end quote. Various initiatives have become to address these uh, have begun to address these issues, but it is extremely difficult for local governments and companies to solve these issues alone. In addition to local governments, companies and various other stakeholders we are strongly aware of the need for residents to face their own issues, think together, and create a future society. This is the vision of Society 5.0 and Hitachi, which is committed to social innovation. Um, Mr. Tokunaga then also explains, but again, this is more. There's nothing. There's nothing specific about it. They're just like we need carbonized decarbonization. We need digitalization. We need AI. We need a society and it's got to be green and we got to have these things. But they don't know. They don't ever address anything specific like what I just mentioned about China. They never say something like we need facial recognition gates at elementary schools to prevent um, parents from abducting other children or something like that. They never, ever mention these things. So it's super vague. Again, this is the level of Society 5.0 that's in the, uh, the K Don Rand version where they just meet and talk and talk and talk and they never actually give anything specific. And how can anything specific develop down the road if you're not being specific at all up front? If you're just like green society, digital transformation. it's uh, These are like boondoggles, bridges to nowhere, And uh, vast amounts of money that just disappear into projects that can't be fulfilled. It's because they're not. They're not. There's no evidence of there being a a result or a product that actually people will want to engage with. And most people won't. If people see like a a surveillance society set up upon their arrival, they're going to be like, "This is freaking me out." But if you allow people to integrate with this with this technology step by step they will be able to figure out what they will like it for and what they won't like it for. I always say having the facial recognition limited to certain areas makes people aware of when it's in use and when it's not always having like this, like schizophrenic government eye over your shoulder. It's embedded in all the street lamps and you never know if it's on or off. It, it doesn't create um, for many people, a trustworthy society to just enter into, but if you're like this, Department store has facial recognition software inside of it. So if you if your child goes missing, you can go to a security guard, send them a picture, he will send that to the data center that's housed in inside the department store and then they will be able to use your picture's face biometric search all the cameras and locate them within 10 seconds. And then if, if they're leaving with somebody, we'll be able to um, notify the police immediately and provide an image of what that person looks like to the police Bang! People will be like, this is great. My child is so safe. But if you're like, it's watching you all the time and you don't know, and you're going to move in you're going to pay all your money and you don't know when it's on, you don't know when it's off and it's going to be there and it's going to go up and it's going to go down. You're like, what's going on? Guys, guys, what am I doing here? What, what are you, what are you selling? Um, That's a very common, uh reaction from the public or from people in general who want these things. So I don't know what Hitachi is doing, but they could be on the side of the Don Ren society 5.0 SDG side, rather than the getting her done side of uh, actually providing solutions and products that people want and need rather than going into meetings and talking big ideas uh, about things that people don't want. Next Entrusted with an R&D project for the cabinet's office problem-solving problem bridge. Some of this stuff is not the best uh, translation, but uh, this comes to us from Dynamic Map Platform. Uh, contributing to solutions to social issues through the development of dynamic maps for public access. Um, this again... Now, this is the idea of things being limited in use. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it it this is like the getting or done side. So in the Japan society 5.0 segments i want to present both sides and it might not be a great solution it might not it might be something nobody even wants but as long as both sides are presented we're kind of tracing where it's at at this moment in time at the end of uh, January 2024 beginning of February 2024 digital map platforms um ceo and president shuichi yoshimura oh sorry this is coming to us from dynamicmaps.co.jp and there's a hyphen between dynamic and maps Dynamic Map uh, Platform has been entrusted with an R&D project to develop dynamic maps for public areas by the Ministry of Economy, Trade, and Industry. This is one of the measures of the Cabinet Office's programs for bridging the gap between R&D and the Ideal Society 5.0 and generating economic and social value, known as BRIDGE. I don't know how they get that acronym. The development of dynamic maps for public uh, areas aims to develop an environment for a digital society such as society 5.0 in which diverse mobility with autonomous transport, including automobiles can operate safely and efficiently in any space. Dynamic map platform's goal is to realize the safe and efficient operation of automated driving vehicles in airports and port facilities where there is a need to, for labor saving, uh, with regard to vehicle work due to manpower shortages. Now I've often long said that self-driving vehicles at airports and so on would be, um, a great place because these places have few people. I mean, where the people are, you don't really want that, but like uh, there, there's all sorts of transportation that goes on in an airport between the planes and did di, 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 the, the supplies, all that coming in and coming and going. You could easily have auto, uh, uh, autonomous vehicles going back and forth in such situations with the correct maps, with an API on these types of like drone vehicles. It would create like a, a situation where they would have, Advanced digital mapping where they can and can't go with cameras on board that would show operators and, and management uh, facilities if the the real situation on the ground. So if a problem occurs, they can tap into the camera and see what's going on. But in the airport industry, back to the document, the public and private sectors are working collaboratively on aviation innovation using advanced technologies focusing on the issue of a lack of manpower in airports. There are strictly regulated driving routes on airport premises to avoid contact with aircraft, various types of work vehicle and key facilities. Airport premises have few of the features required for automated driving via sensors, such as white lines, but it will be possible to realize the safe operation of automated driving vehicles on such premises by using dynamic maps developed based on high precision 3d data to specify accurate virtual driving routes. If port- Port facilities as well could be used Um, and uh, bridge is short for programs for bridging the gap between R&D and the ideal society and generating economic and social value. So, um, uh, you know, there's already so much surveillance going on in airports and providing areas where autonomous vehicles can and cannot go would work uh, wondrously in my opinion. So good on map platform uh, and uh, dynamic to work towards um, facilitating a very clear uh, autonomous vehicle project that is set within certain boundaries. So you know that it doesn't go off into other areas. It, it, it's where it's supposed to be. And that's what it is. So that comes to us from January 5th, 2024. And that's going to be Japan Society 5.0 for today.
2: The 4th Industrial Revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0 A technology-based, human-centered society. The 4th Industrial Revolution will raise our standard of living And solve various challenges we face. It will, for example, free us from the stress of driving, allowing us to safely visit.
1: Well, I don't have enough time to actually cover all these other topics like depopulation, and I, I will. I'll have to do it another time. I'll have to do it another time there's some things that i want to talk about about like the uh the north korean population in japan i've just started to do some a little bit more research on them so i i guess i can put that off to another time it's not exactly pertinent uh, but what is pertinent is the war and in this case the supply chain war that for the war
0: that for, for
2: the war that for the war that for the war
1: so the supply chain war, which started, in my opinion, with the release of COVID from Wuhan in 2019, 2020, four years ago now, the uh, overall effect was the Chinese government cut off Wuhan, which is uh, it turned out to be a, a major focal point of the global trade. Uh, telecommunications, security, cyber, uh, cars, uh, you name it it's like part of it was going through Wuhan and the whole world decided to put their, uh a key focal point, a choke point into deep into China uh, behind, you know, an authoritarian line where very few people can just get into the, after COVID was released, the make of it that what you will, the Wuhan was cut off from the rest of the world. And we saw massive amounts of uh, chip issues and, and so on and so forth. And, The supply chain war is basically, in my opinion, uh, unrestricted warfare on behalf of China to uh, have China dominate the global supply chains with their one belt and one road initiative, have it be operated by AI, uh, backed by their Huawei networks, where you have people in Beijing uh, ordering coffee from coffee farmers in Africa via their Huawei phones. And then the Chinese supply chain networks take care of the rest and everybody pays with the Chinese renminbi and the Chinese Communist Party gets to view all of the transactions and monitor everybody and punish people that go against their wishes. And then um, if it works very successfully, other authoritarian governments in the BRICS uh, region can then incorporate that technology to ensure what they would envision is a uh, society that would benefit the powers that be, it, I'm, I'm, I'm really glossing over it really fast right now because I don't have much time left. But in the supply chain war, um, we have the Red Sea crisis pressure, uh, pressures China's exporters as shipping delays costs. Now, now even though China is kind of like waging this uh, odd move in the supply chains, what people don't realize when they wage war is that war expands and war expands unpredictably you might have a whole bunch of exporters now in China that can't get their goods to where they need to be because of the amount of conflict going right now. Right now, the Houthis in Yemen are like bombing ships. They don't have a navy, but they've created like this global naval blockade and all sorts of issues are happening now with energy transportation and, and so on. And But it also affects, um, in many ways... It's just the regular Chinese businessman. This comes to us from JapanToday.com, and it says... For Chinese businessman Hang Qingming, disruptions to Red Sea freight are threatening the survival of his trading company in the eastern province of Fujian. Han, who exports Chinese-made cars to Africa and imports off-road vehicles from Europe, told Reuters, the cost of shipping a container to Europe has surged to roughly $7,000 from $3,000 in December when Yemen's Iran-aligned Houthi movement escalated attacks on shipping. Quote, the disruptions have wiped out our already thin profits, end quote, said Han, adding that higher shipping insurance premiums are also taking a toll on Fuzhou Han Changmin International Trade Co., the company he founded in 2016. It goes on from there. China orders Japanese fishing boat. Oh, that's a different one. Sorry. Mysterious new Chinese carrier emerges to capitalize on risky Red Sea trades. Right, so this comes to us from LloydsList.com. So you might have the the average average Hang or the average what's the average Cho, the average Lee. I don't know. In China, succumbing to the pressures of these economic disparities, but then you also have the big boys uh, capitalizing. Uh, you know, never let a crisis go to waste. Mysterious new Chinese carrier emerges to capitalize on risky Red Sea trades. Singapore-incorporated China-controlled Sea Legend Shipping, great name, has swooped in to grab a slice of the high-risk, high-reward routes by snapping up second-hand tonnage. By uh, Chichin Shen, this comes to us from lloydslist.com. Emerging carrier claims to offer ultimate care for crew, cargo, and vessel with high security level for its Red Sea transits. Uh, This includes escorts by the Chinese Navy and private armed guards on board. A mysterious new carrier has set sail in the perilous Red Sea lanes, seeking to capitalize on the turbulence caused by the Houthis. The recently formed Chinese shipping company Sea Legend Shipping has swooped in to grab a slice of the pie. The new carrier appears aiming to fill the void left by mainstream carriers who retreated from the vital Asia-Europe route because of the escalating attacks on merchant ships due to the Houthis. Analysis by Lloyd's List has already found China-linked tonnage, at least in container shipping, accounts for a markedly higher proportion of passages, in part because China's good relations with Iran and influence in the region are seen to boost security for such vessels. That goes to my idea, whole idea that this is a Belt and Road Initiative unrestricted warfare issue. If you want to know more about it, tune into the previous episode that I released earlier this week. I talk about it there as well. According to a certificate issued by China's Ministry of Transport displayed on Sea Legend's website, the Singapore Incorporated firm obtained approval in February 2023 to operate international container liner services calling at the country's ports. It operates a a fleet of 10 cell phone vessels ranging um, uh, in a variety of sizes. So uh, I'll be posting... On to com, where you can go to make a donation via paypal.me forward slash Japan uh, W U T. That's PayPal.me forward slash Japan uh W-U-T. You can also go to com to get the links and the photos and more. Uh, we also have how will the Houthi attacks on commercial ships impact India and Japan? This comes to us from Japanforward.com and it's uh, sourced by a guy named uh Rupak Jyoti Bora, uh, and he's talking about how the Indian and Japan alliance here kind of have a similar stake in the uh, shipping regions that are being affected by the Houthi attacks. And uh, he says many Japanese shipping firms like Nippon Yusen uh, and Mitsui OSK lines have decided to temporarily alter their course uh, to and from Europe to avoid the Red Sea. Similar tactics are also being taken by others. And he noted that, quote, Japan contem- condemns the continued interference by the Houthis with the rights and freedoms of navigation in the waters around the Arabian Peninsula. Um, I'll be posting this up onto MatthewPNBigelow.com if you're interested, but it kind of shows how uh, you know Japan and India are aligned by the Quad, but India is also a part of BRICS. But if if, if the trade routes are favoring the G7 nations, then perhaps Russia or Iran or China would be willing to punish India in order to create more hegemony among their own trade routes so that they could uh, snap up a bigger piece of the pie. Um, And that's going to be basically the podcast for today. It's a little bit short, but that's the way it has to be because we're at war and we only have so much time in the day to dedicate to our voices in the podcatosphere. Make sure. To go to Matthew uh-huh. to get all of the Japan What Podcasting Needs. Um and until next time, everybody, I'm actually going to play a song here that I wrote, uh, performed, recorded, mixed and mastered called Borneo. I played it on the previous song. I'm going to leave you with that song today as well.
0: You'll never be alone. You got a stone. You'd be beside yourself if you didn't give a dog a bone. a shower, add three gears together Set some magic and you find yourself with a mo